All right, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, rather, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and we begin reading with verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 51. May we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for all we have experienced tonight. The youth choir and this wonderful church choir, the congregation and everyone who is here, it's exciting to be in God's house tonight. We pray that the Holy Spirit will make the Word of God alive and quick and powerful and real to us. And may Thy Spirit move upon us in such a way that Christ will be honored and those in this place who are not yet saved will come to know Jesus. And everyone who is already a Christian will rejoice in the victory that is in Christ. We ask in His name, Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Tonight, we want to think of the theme, On to Victory. The text is in verse 57. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has suggested that victory may be spelled this way. V, your values. Watch your values. The I, involvement. What are you really involved in? See the centrifugal force of your life. What is it that makes you move? What is it that sends you out? T, trials are tests. The O, old things passed away. The R, redemption through His blood. And the Y, yielded to the will of God. And when you put all of this together, values that honor Christ, involvement that honors Christ, a centrifugal force that centers around Christ and Christ thrusts you into life, recognizing that trials are tests and having old things passed away in your life and claiming redemption through the blood of Christ and yielding our bodies as instruments and vessels unto honor all of this together spells 
victory. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. And that's the formula for victory. Now, we want to think tonight about who victory belongs to and why we need victory and where victory leads us to. First of all, who does victory really belong to? Well, let's see what the Bible says. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. We learn here that victory belongs to God. It does not belong to man. It does not belong to a group of men. It does not belong to a local place. It belongs to God. And if we're going to have victory in our lives, we need to get involved with the one to whom victory belongs. And so victory belongs to God. Look in Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. What has gotten God the victory? His right hand, his holy arm. Thou hast done marvelous things. Sing unto the Lord a new song. This is the reason every Sunday morning and usually every Sunday night and many times on Wednesday night, we sing to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Because victory and glory belong to God, not to man. The Bible says that God will share his glory with no man. And he also will share his victory with no man. Unless we are in him, we cannot have victory. But victory comes when we get in step with the one who is already victorious. Thirdly, would you turn to 12, Matthew 12, 20. In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth justice unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. We learn again from Scripture that victory belongs to Christ. Christ is the victorious one. If we're to ever have any kind of victory in our lives, we'll have to get in step with him. Until just a few months ago, or maybe a couple of years ago, Babe Ruth held the all-time baseball record. And in the Baseball Hall of Fame, Babe Ruth was the first one placed there. He broke all kinds of records, and he hit all kinds of home runs until Hank Aaron came along and broke his record. Now suppose I want to get up to bats, and I guess most of you know that I'm not a good batter, and I get up here, and I, somebody pitches the ball, and I hit it. Boy, I hit too low, and the ball goes over. And so they hit me another ball, and I, I hit at it, and boy, the ball goes under. And pretty soon they hit me another ball, and I just keep on doing that, and I strike out. And my team says, now look, we're going to have to do something about that. And old Hank Aaron happens to be around. Suppose Hank Aaron could come and get inside of Richard Oldham and he'd whisper in my heart, now here you hold your hands just like I show you. 
And so I hold my hands just like Hank Aaron shows me. And they pitch that ball again, and here go my hands. Wham! Bang goes the ball, and I hit a home runner. Why? Because Hank Aaron inside of me is controlling my actions. And the victory belongs to Hank, not me. Now this is a picture of how we have victory in our lives. The victory belongs to God. The victory belongs to Christ. No man has victory. There is no victorious man on the earth. All of us have failed. All of us have sin in our lives. The Bible says there's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All we like sheep have gone astray. And our righteousness and our, are like so many filthy rags and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And so we need to remember tonight that if we're to have victory, we need to get in step, in tune, in, 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 the, in the realm of that one whose possession is victory, and that is the Lord God omnipotent. Now turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Where does victory come from? How do we get in step with victory? We sang victory in Jesus a while ago. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, and he gave his life on Calvary to cleanse me from sin. And I heard about his atoning and his gracious blood which atones. And then I went to Christ and received the victory. What does that mean? It means that willingly, voluntarily, I took myself to Christ. I placed myself in Christ. And the victory belongs to Christ, not to me. There is no such thing as man in mortal flesh, in mortal clay, having victory in life outside of Christ. Now, we can win a few skirmishes. We can win a few battles. We can have some salesmen that are crack salesmen and in the power of their own personality, they can go out and they can be million dollar men and they can make all kinds of money. Is that victory? Is that the kind of victory you really want? Well, you see, that victory tarnishes. It turns to gold. We've recently seen two men who were multimillionaires, one in England, one in America, died in Texas, and they had billions of dollars. I don't even know how to count that high. I wouldn't even know how to write it, I don't think. You write a billion dollars down there. You write one and, well, this guy had two, though. You write two and then zero, 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 zero. How do you do it? I don't know. You try counting that much. He had everything, but he was miserable, utterly miserable. And he died a wretch. He died absolutely unhappy. He died in ill health. And when he died, all kinds of people come out with false wills trying to get in on his possessions because he had no victory. He didn't take one penny of it with him, not any of it. You call that victory? <laughs> well, that's defeat. That's utter defeat. That's the sarcasm of your success. That means nothing. Real victory comes when you get in step with that one to whom victory belongs. And the Bible says victory belongs to God. God will share his glory with no man. 
And the only way man can get in touch with real victory is through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And Jesus said one day, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, just a little speck of it, just a little tiny of it, and you invest that little speck of faith in me, it will begin to grow and grow and grow. And it will be like a great, great bush and a great tree. And you can be shaded by that tree of faith. Imagine a hot summer day. And you're over in Arizona or New Mexico or down in Southern California or maybe down in Old Mexico. And it's about 150 in the shade. Only thing is there's no shade. And you're out there and you're just parched and dry and you don't know what to do. And, and oh, I just wish I had a tree that I could stand under and, and keep my bald head from getting all sunburned. I'm thinking of Ed Snyder right now. And I wish I had a tree. And so you look and 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 finally you find a tree and you go and stand under the shadow of that tree. And even though in the shade it's 150 degrees, it's a lot better than it was out there in the sun where it was 175. Now, that's just a simple little human illustration to show you that in faith there is victory. We can stand in the shade from all the storms and the sunstrokes of life when we are standing in the shade tree of faith. And this leads me to the second thing that I want to say tonight concerning this matter of on to victory. And that is, victory is needed. We're in a world of utter despair, utter hopelessness. I want to read you something. Listen to this. In Europe, it is the Iron Curtain. In America, it is the Iron Ring. The Iron Ring signifies the slow and steady progress of the Marxist encirclement of the United States with little or no response from those who are charged with the defense of America. This is taking place both in terms of ideas and actual military power. Mr. Harold Lord Varney, is a leading authority on subversive developments in Latin America. He has made clear that by ge geography, Panama has the key role to the Caribbean region. With Panama, the keystone in anti-American hands, the whole arch of U.S. power over the Caribbean and influence over the Caribbean era area is imperiled. And let there be no doubt about it, Panama is headed for such hands today. It has long been recognized that a key role of Moscow planning in its program of world domination is to strangle the free world by gaining control of all the world's strategic waterways. It has been reported that in the days of Lenin, in demonstrations in Moscow in 1917, there were signs calling for internationalization of the Panama Canal. The great primary waterways are, in the world, the Strait of Gibraltar the Suez entrance to the Red Sea, the Aden exit from the Red Sea, 
the Malchiah Strait, the key to the East Indies, the Persian Gulf, and the Panama Canal. The issue facing America then is a choice. Will we keep Panama from the free nations of the West or we turn it over to world communist control? And our statesmen are in a dilemma to know what to do. Some are saying, well, if we try to keep it, we'll go to war. And of course, you know, we have a segment in America that says it's better to be red than dead. And we better not fight over anything anymore. And we better not have any war. Just do anything to have, keep from having war. And so we maintain the peace by giving this and this and this and this. And we call that victory. That's a farce of victory. And so today, we have statesmen that are wringing their hands and pulling their hair and walking up and down the streets and the places in Washington power rooms not knowing what to do. What do we do in a messy world like this? I have another article. The coming world dictator. Our present free enterprise form of government is soon to end as evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I could go on and on and on tonight and present to you some material that I'm going to save for another message. But suffice it to say that the thing that I hold in my hand mentions world affairs in such a shivering and fearful atmosphere that the statesmen of our world do not know what to do. And we're shaping up for the end times. And what do we do? You know what's leading to such a mess and mania in Washington? These men are being satanically seduced. It's satanic. The things that are going on in this world are satanic. And people are afraid. And so some try to lose themselves in sex. And others sell out their, their virtue to bribery. And others are just getting drunk. It is amazing how much alcoholism there is in Washington among the statesmen of our America. I was interested that one of the reasons that the CIA and the FBI have been investigated by Washington's Congress, I suppose it's our Congress, is because the CIA and FBI kept files on the drinking habits of many of the statesmen, the congressmen, and they resented it. They thought it was none of the FBI or the CIA's business, whether they drank or had sex parties or anything else. And one of the reasons for this mass investigation that has, as it were, undressed America before the world is the hysteria and the burdens and the failure and the, the utter depression and, and, and discouragement among our, our statesmen. And so what are we going to do? We need victory. We need victory. There's never been a time when we needed victory and yet went about it like blind men. I want victory! I want victory! And so we're headed for a precipice over here with our eyes blinded, and yet we enjoy doing what we're doing. It's like we're all on some train, and that train is rushing madly down the track, 
at 75 miles an hour or 85 miles an hour. And inside the train, we have a diner with plenty of liquor. And we have men coming through showing pornographic literature. And we have everything to tickle our fancy. And we have stereos putting out all kinds of music. And we have a room where there's rock music. And we just have a big, big time. Nobody thinks to look out the window to see where this train's headed. But anybody that thinks looks out there. And out there, not so far away, they see a terrible precipice. And the train is rushing on and on and on and on. And the precipice is just ahead. What are we going to do? Inside the train, nobody cares because they're all lulled to sleep with all the things they've got to do. Where is the victory? Not only do world affairs cause us to need victory, but the personal messed up lives of men and women and boys and girls today, teenagers who have sold their bodies and their minds in the, in the sin pots of drugs, and sex and sin and they're depressed and they're discouraged and they look on their right hand and on their left and refuge fails them and their soul cries out nobody really cares and they get in trouble and instead of sending to jail the men who sell the liquor we send those poor teenagers to jail instead of collecting going out with a posse and collecting all these men who are pouring the dope and the drugs into our young people's minds and lives. Instead of declaring it illegal, we're looking for ways to make it legal because we say we can't control it. What kind of a world do we live in? A world of sin, a world of hatred, a world of mass hysteria, and people do not know what to do about it because it's Satan-oriented. It's satanic in origin, and people are afraid, and we need victory. The Bible speaks of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the victory belongs to God, and we try everything else. We have educational seminars, and we publish books, and we have little uh, conferences, and we have all kinds of people spending fortunes studying this and this and this, when what the world really needs is Jesus. Just a glimpse of him. He will bring grace and glory. And if men's eyes could only get open to Jesus. And then there's depression in our world. Depression. People are so sick. So sick. Our psychiatrist's offices are filled 25, 35, 45 dollars a whack. And our people go there. And I have sympathy for them. I'm not being critical. I have sympathy for them. They go there hoping, hoping this is a last resort. Surely something can be done for me here. Depression. And men need healing from depression and discouragement. I think I look into the faces of tonight of nearly every person in this room who has experienced discouragement over the hurdles and the problems and the burdens of life. What do we do about discouragement? What do we do when we get physically exhausted? We get financially strained. When we come to the last, almost the last straw and we don't know what to do and we're defeated and discouraged and 
we hide it all behind a mask and we keep a smile out here and people don't really know how bad we feel inside. And inside there is defeat and despair and discouragement. We need victory over that. The Bible says there's victory available. But the victory belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. There's no way we can have victory outside of God's plan. The Bible says that faith is the victory. We need victory over Satan. Oh, won't you be glad when Jesus comes and that old imposter Satan is bound. I'll just be so glad. I'll tell you, I don't believe in laughing at other people's misery, but I think the one day when I'm going to stand back with all the redeemed of the ages and I'm going to say, ha, 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 at the old devil who has deceived and deluded men and women he has gotten men's minds filled with lust and they've gone out and been unfaithful to their homes and brought heartbreak and despair and then the devil looks at you and ha, 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 just laughs at you. Satan causes young people to get involved in sin and traps them and then when they're heartbroken, the devil stands back and says, ha, 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 he just laughs at you. That old deceiver, the devil, the Bible says one day will be bound and he will be bound forever. And one day the Lord God whom reigns, who will reign forever and forever will cast him to the lake of fire. I'll tell you I'm going to join with the redeemed and just laugh at the devil in that day. The Bible says in Psalm 2, the Lord shall hold them in derision. I like to preach a sermon sometime on the day that, that the Lord laughs. The Lord shall laugh, Psalm 2 says, and he shall hold them in derision, those who have derided the workers of the Lord. Have you had trouble with the devil? Now listen to this. If you haven't had any trouble with the devil, you're not living for God. You're not serving God. If you have not been tempted by Satan, if you have been utterly left alone by the devil, then you're not serving God. For the Bible says, he that would live godly in this present world will suffer persecution. How long has it been, la how long has it been since you were laughed at for being God's child? How long has it been since you were scoffed at for standing something for something you knew to be right? Can you take it? Christians, we need victory. We need victory over sin. We need victory over Satan. We need victory over satanic influence. We need victory over depression. We need victory over discouragement. We need victory over despair. You know, one of the ways the devil tempts to get us all messed up, he tempts, he tempts us to think that somebody else can do the work of the Lord. Listen to this. There's a clever young fellow named somebody else. There's nothing this fellow can't do. He's busy from morning till very late just substituting for you. You're asked to do this or asked to do that, and what is your ready reply? Get somebody else. He'll do it much better than I. So much to do in the weary old world, so much in the workers, so few, and somebody else is weary and worn just substituting for you. Next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give them this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, then so can I. And let's play the devil a trick. You see, the devil comes along and he says, you know, you know, Somebody comes along and says, now look, would you mind teaching this Sunday school class? And you say, 
And the devil comes along and says, now look, you don't know anything about teaching. And beside that, you work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and all day Saturday. And Sunday's the only day you can rest. And you need to come and sit in a Sunday school class. And you need to come and be fed. You don't have time to teach anything. And what would you teach anyway? So the devil tells you that. Well, you just kick the old devil back where he belongs and say, if you can use me, here I am. I volunteer. Don't make people draft you. Remember, God doesn't draft people. You know, I have an old funny streak in me. We have some young preachers in our church, and I thank God for every one of them. Sometimes I try to get them together. And if they don't want to get together, I don't want to get together with them. <laughs> I really don't. I want them to do what they want to do. If they don't have it in their bones and in their heart to want to meet and study the Word of God, I don't want to meet with them. And I think God's like that. If God says, Johnny, will you do this work? And you say, well, get somebody else. All right, God will say, all right, Johnny, I'll get somebody else and you'll miss the blessing. I think God will do that. Don't play with God like that. If God gives you the golden opportunity to be a teacher, to be a worker, to be a servant of the Lord, if God puts his hand on you and says, will you preach the word? If God says, will you do this? Will you do that? Will you serve me? Will you be a bus pastor? Will you be a, a coordinator? Will you do something for me? Don't dare. Don't dare in a thousand worlds stand back and say, well, please get somebody else. I'm sure somebody else can do a better job than I can. That's from the devil. The devil tells you to do that. We need victory over the world. We need victory over despair. We need victory over discouragement. Where does it come from? Victory belongs to God. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to you. It belongs to God. And when we get our lives in step with Him, then victory comes. Victory comes. You know what? We need to walk in step with the Lord. We just need to walk in step with Him. Brother Ron, come up here just a minute. I want to show something. I want you to march. I don't know whether you've ever marched before in your life. But I want you to stand over here and march. And I'm going to march with you. Now it's left and right, left, right, left, right. Let's go. Left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left. See, who's calling the signals? And as long as we march together in step, it looks good, doesn't it? But when we get out of step, and when I start calling the signals, and I don't do what God wants me to do, I'm all messed up. Thanks, brother. Now, listen. Who is calling the signals in your life? Who are you marching in step with? Are you marching in step with yourself? Or with the devil? Or with God? Victory belongs to God. Not to any of us. The Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What is faith? I like the way Dr. Bob put it one day when we were studying about something about faith. He said faith is, is the substance that Peter walked on when he got out of the boat and started walking to Jesus. He just got out and started walking on the substance. The naked eye would look and say, there's nothing there but water. But Peter walked on substance. What was it? Faith. Faith, yeah. 
You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it, elders received a good report. And when we walk by faith, there's nothing impossible because we walk calling all of the power of God to bear us up. Because they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and without faith it is impossible to please God. That's the way people get saved. They come by faith to Jesus. That's the way saved people have overcoming power. They come by faith, putting their eyes on Christ and walking on the substance of faith. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? It, salvation begins in faith. It continues in faith. And then, thank God, it ends in faith. What's this Bible say about the end of it all? Oh, listen to this. I love it. I, John, saw the holy city. Had he ever been there? Had John ever been there? No, 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 no. How did he see it? By faith. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be with his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Do you have tears today? There's coming a day when you'll not have any. How do you know? Because God said so. Well, how do you know that's true? Well, I believe it by faith. I'm looking forward to that great getting up morning when the Lord God will get his handkerchief of eternity out and he'll say, here, I want to dry all those eyes. I'm going to say, Lord, I pastored some people. I tried to. I was a poor pastor, but Lord, I tried and I loved the people down there. And I want you, I want to go, Lord, before you do anything for me, I want to take your handkerchief and wipe away all those tears from those people that I tried to work with those years. I want to find that lady that gave up her son. I want to find that daddy that gave up her da his daughter. I want to find that, that wife whose home was all broken and ruined by sin, and I want you to wipe her tears away. And Lord, I want you to find that little child that came praying for a godly mother and daddy, and he cried over it, and I want you to wipe their tears away. Oh, God, do it. And God will take the great handkerchief of eternity and wipe all their tears away. And look, there shall be no more death. Now, we're not going to need any funeral homes over there. There'll not be any sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Just think, no doctors, no hospitals, for the former things are passed away. All by faith. The end of that victory and eternity with God. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen and amen. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long? How long ere we shout that glad song, Hallelujah, Christ returneth, Christ returneth, Amen. The victory belongs to the Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee that victory does belong to God. Forgive us if we've ever tried to get in on victory in the human flesh. 
We pray tonight for victory in men's lives, in women's lives, in teenagers' lives, in children's lives. We pray that some who have been defeated, utter in despair, might tune into the victory that is in Christ and go on in victory. Oh God, until that day when faith is exchanged, when sight is exchanged for faith, when we see as we're seen, until that day, I pray tonight that thou wilt give us a double portion of faith, that faith might be our eyes and our heart and our walk, and everything we do will be geared to faith. Touch those who are here without Jesus tonight, and may they come recognizing that the only hope, the only way to overcome sin, the only way to have their name enrolled in the book of life is by faith in the shed blood of Jesus. We ask in his name, amen. May we stand, please. We're going to sing God's invitation. There are people here tonight who need to come and walk the walk of faith. Need to just come back and say, Lord, I've wandered away from you and I want to start serving you. I don't want to be off on the hillside somewhere or off center. I want to be right in the middle in the walk of the Lord. Would you come to Christ tonight that way? God help you to do it. If your membership is in some other church and God wants you here at Glendale, won't you come tonight? Don't put it off. Don't wait till another time. There's some families tonight that ought to be united in Christ either by coming to trust Christ as your Savior or coming to move your membership. There are Christians here tonight that ought to say, Lord, here's my life. I want to dedicate it in to, to faith living, living in faith, F-A-I-T-H, not in sight. I want to per, turn my discouragements and defeats and despairs over to the Lord. Do what God tells you to do. While we sing this first stanza, will you step out for Christ?